Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Looking around the country and across North America and all around the world, you see things are slowly getting back to normal. But is that a good thing? Do we want to go back to normal? Do we want to get everything back? Do you want to jam-pack your schedule and calendar again? Today's guest is going to help us think about that and says that maybe we want to take advantage of some of the lessons we've learned during the pandemic and how to slow down. She's got some great ideas to grow slow, lessons that she's learned as an accidental farm girl. You're going to love the conversation today on Connections. Jennifer Dukes-Lee is our guest today. Yes, she has learned some lessons as an accidental farm girl. She's now a farm wife and a mom and a brand new author too. She's going to help us think about going back to normal and how to maybe uh, not go back too far the other way and take advantage of some of the lessons we've learned. Jennifer, tell us a little bit about yourself and life on the farm. Yes, I'm a mom of two daughters and my husband and I live on the family's fifth generation family farm. So we are growing about 700 acres of corn and soybeans. And then at any given time on our farm, we have about 1000 pigs. And the funny thing is these pigs come to our barns on a big school bus where the the seats have been ripped out. And so all these baby pigs (laughs) are in this bus it's just almost like a cartoon and you open the fire exit in the back and they run down a chute into the barn. And I like to go help when the baby pigs come, but I am really no help at all. I basically just want to cuddle them all and give them names. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. I was just going to say, did you ever expect yourself to be the type to be out on a farm? No. Yeah. It's just, it's just wild because I grew up in small town, Iowa and I lived in the same town all of my growing up years and I just wanted out of there. And I said, I am never coming back to small town, Iowa. And for a while I lived in cities and I was a newspaper reporter and my husband went to law school. Well, God got a hold of both of our hearts and we ended up moving back to the farm. And so I call myself an accidental farm girl because this was not in my life plan. <laughs> and your husband is a law is a law student. You yes. are a former news reporter and now right. you're raising pigs and a farm and children. Right. <laughs> Sometimes I just look around. I'm like, what? This is not what I planned, but it's beautiful. Sometimes the most unexpected turn in our lives can be the thing that really grew us to become the people that God made us to be. And that's what I've experienced over these last 17 years on the farm. So you're also an author, adding mm-hmm. on to everything else. You have a few books, your most recent releases, Growing Slow Lessons on Unhurrying Your Heart from an Accidental Farm Girl, like you just mentioned. Tell us about this book and where the inspiration for this came from. Well, uh, the book that I could have more easily written is one called Growing Fast, because that's super consistent with my personality. I have, um, I'm a high capacity person. I like to be productive and busy and get things done. But what was happening is that my um, emphasis on outputs and growing quickly and hustling in this hustle culture, it was all causing damage to every part of myself and the things that mattered most. It was hurting my body. Uh, It was hurting my spirituality. It was hurting my relationships and all of the things that I really care about 
the most because I was constantly in a hurry. I couldn't slow down to enjoy a conversation or to enjoy um, an accomplishment because I was quickly moving on to the next thing. I, I couldn't even enjoy the beauty of my own backyard because I was constantly running past things that deserve to be noticed and um, to be grateful for. So I'm so glad that living on this farm, I was able to learn the lesson of growing slow. I learned it from the land. The land is my teacher and growing through seasons on a farm, watching the corn and soybeans come up out of the ground and grow. And that when we have a harvest, all of that teaches us really powerful lessons on how to live a growing slow life. What was that breaking point that forced you to slow down and pay attention to those things that weren't working? The breaking point came a number of years ago when I was in a doctor's office with a functional med doctor. It was a kind of doctor that looks at your whole self. And I'd already gone to a lot of my quote regular doctors for tests and MRIs and all kinds of things because I had so many different things that were just not working right in my body. And all of it was coming back negative. We can't see anything. And so it was this unseen stress on my body. And that's what this functional bed doctor told me. He said, you, you're stressed out. And I'm like, I'm not stressed out. I know stressed out people. I'm not one of them. This is the way I've always been. But I went home and I did some research that he told me, told me some things to read about. And I discovered that indeed I, I was in such a hurry that I had hurry sickness and it's an actual trauma to your body that causes um, insomnia and anxiety and this feeling that I'm constantly behind and I'm never doing enough. And it was even had caused physical pain in my body, gut issues, kind of just every system was sort of revolting against my hurried life. And so my body said, Jennifer, you have to slow down. You've got to figure out a different way. Uh, it sounds like you're telling a story about me. <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to relate when they hear that. That's exactly how a lot of us, and especially, I'm sure it's with men as well, but it's especially with women and moms. Yes. We are like that. Mm -hmm. I think so. And um, I think that it happens from the moment we wake up in the morning, our feet hit the floor and before we've even had an opportunity to welcome the day or set the tone for the day, we are in fight or flight mode and our adrenaline is jumping and our cortisol levels. And we become these little adrenaline junkies all day long and we've got to keep it going. Well, that puts us in that fight or flight mode that is really damaging to our minds, our souls and our bodies, but we don't know we're in it until we try a different way. And it's hard to try a different way because we're afraid of what it will mean to slow down. We're afraid we're going to lose our edge or that we're going to lose our job. Or I used to be so irritated when people would tell me to slow down because I'd be like, you have no idea what I have on my plate. Like I've got kids to take care of and there's things happening on the farm and I've got chapters due for my publisher and all of those things. But the really cool thing is when I adopted a growing slow mindset, I am actually more productive now than I was when I was trying to move fast and multitask. I actually come to my work energized and enthusiastic instead of dreading whatever I have to do for the day. You're not wearing yourself down. Right. Uh, the positive of 2020 and 2021 is that we have all 
been forced to start living that lifestyle to slow down. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some lessons that we can take from what we've learned over the past year and a half? That's a great question. I actually was writing the last chapters of the book when, um, when COVID hit our part of the world. And I remember the date, it was March 13th. And I don't know what the date was for you, but, and maybe it was something you saw on the news or you got an email from the superintendent saying schools would be closed until further notice, or your hairdresser called and canceled the appointment. And then you went and bought boxed color and started to do your own hair. I mean, whatever it was, but there's this moment that we all know, like, this is it. And we were then granted this previously inconceivable idea or or picture of what it would look like if our world shut down. And obviously we don't want to go back to that. Obviously there has been tremendous irreplaceable loss and heartache as a result of a pandemic. But what I've encouraged people to do lately is think back to those first two weeks when your calendar was whited out and you suddenly began to calculate what mattered most in life and began to really lean into those things. So for, for me, it was having family dinners. D- food became like our life. Like, yes, okay, wait for supper. <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to sit together and we would light candles and we would experiment with different ways of, of cooking. Uh, we took walks every day because there wasn't anything else you could do. Mm-hmm. You know, you could put together a puzzle or you could take a walk. And um, those walks became very life-saving for us and began to show us that God was still bringing the sun up in the sky and putting it down at night and that the world was still spinning and he was still holding us all. And it was a very beautiful way to engage with our creator at a time when everything felt out of control. So I think that all of us have those things, whatever they were. Um, And I, I think we would be good to keep hold of those as we move forward into future years. Like what did we do in those first two weeks where we pledged to ourselves? I want it to be different when we come out of this. How do you think we, we keep that mindset of growing slow as, as we're coming out of the pandemic all across uh, Canada and the United States and around the world? How do we cling to that growing slow mindset? For me, it was holding on to the, the things that kept me closer to God and closer to the people that I love the most and making a commitment. I actually made a list of things that I want to hold on to. And so I would encourage any listener to do the same thing. It probably looked different for each of us, depending on what we love and what, and who we're with. But one of the things for me that I'm going to hold on to that helps me have a growing slow mindset is during the lockdown I was more creative than I ever had been in my whole life on figuring out how to love my neighbor well, because I couldn't love them in the same way I had before. I couldn't show up and give hugs and um, walk into their homes and do all those kinds of things. So I don't want to go back to drive by birthday parties and all of that, but I do want to hold on to how can I think creatively to let somebody know they're loved and how can I carry that forward? And having that sort of a mindset moving forward is in and of itself a growing slow practice. Oh, yeah, that definitely is. Uh, another thing that was really great. I know it sounds horrible when you say great together with pandemic. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but there were positives that came out of it. Like you said, the walking with families, families sitting down, families being together again for the first time in years. It was also a time you mentioned a little bit about this where people had the 
opportunity to be completely intimate with God. They had no excuses. They had no reason not to be. It was an opportunity to sit there and, and to actually be with him. That's right. It was the year uh, when I read through the Bible for the first time in my entire life. I've obviously read a lot of the Bible. I'm a Bible teacher, but I had never read, done the whole read it in a year. And it was so such a rich time for me. And um, I'd always used different things as an excuse for not doing that. And it was as if the Holy Spirit were saying to me, you don't have any excuses now, <laughs> get going. <laughs> and I'm so glad I did. And I did it with our older daughter. She was doing it. We were on the same reading plan. We were able to uh, go through it together. And it was, so it was an intimate time with God, but also with, with my older daughter. And, um, the whole time I did it, I was actually about a new Bible and I was writing in the margins. Everything was for her. So at graduation time, I handed her this Bible and um, every single note that I had written in that Bible throughout that year was specifically for her, something that I learned about God or something that I wanted her to know when I was gone. Wow, that's beautiful. That's something that we all should be doing. Um, your book, not only is it a book, you also have journaling in there as well. Why did you decide to include that aspect into your book? I think that a lot of people want to have a connection point or an entry point for their own story. And I wanted to make a space for people to do just that, no matter where they lived. A lot of the lessons are from the farm, and I wanted them to be able to apply these principles and practices to their own life, no matter where they were. And I have a practice, a daily practice that I've done for years. I didn't even know it was a practice until I actually named it. <laughs> um, but it's to remember reflect and return. And that is what the journaling is all about at the end of each chapter. It helps you remember a key point. It helps you reflect and apply that wisdom to your own life with the help of the Holy Spirit. And then finally to return, return to the land that is your life, wherever you might live and figure out a way to um, put this in place uh, moving forward in your own growing slow journey. God definitely had the perfect timing when it came to this book. I love it. I love it. I am. I, it's been perfect timing for me. I've been hearing for, from so many um, women and men who are reading the book that they needed it right now. I was nervous when it came out was uh, as the world started opening up. I thought nobody's going to want to read something about slowing down because they are going to want to rev it all up. Like we've had to be slow for a while. And people think I've lost a whole year of my life. I've lost a year of dating. I've lost a year of growth in my business or what have you. And so now I've got to redouble everything and really start to hustle. But I think that's why this message is even more critical now. We've got to figure out how to move forward through this life so that when we look back on it, it's not a blur. That when we look back on our life, we'll see that the ordinary small things that we were growing in the fields of our lives were the things that mattered most. Tell us a little bit more about how you included um, the farm life, you talked about it a little bit at the beginning um, and how you incorporated that into the book and how you incorporated that into, in, into the faith aspect of things. The farm life is a beautiful metaphor for growth 
in all of the things that humans care about most, whether that's our uh, relationships, our marriages, our children, we want to grow good things in all of these areas, our businesses, our ministries. And so when I look out the kitchen window, I see that growth in a very vivid way. And Jesus often used uh, farming analogies really to get his point across. He, um, when he was speaking on the Galilean hillside, I'm sure that many of the people there understood in very personal ways what he was talking about. They probably had the dirt underneath their fingernails to prove it. It was a farming kind of agrarian culture. So I get to see that here. And I wanted to be able to put that on the page and relate it to the readers so that they could see the importance of planting seeds and pushing things down in the dark and I know that if I were a, a corn seed, I'd be completely freaking out, but corn plants never freak out. <laughs> they just wait their turn and um, up comes some growth. And then seeing the beautiful growth of fields turning green and growing bigger and bigger. And that's what we all hope and, and uh, what we all hope for. And also understanding that there are difficult seasons, just like in across much of Canada and in our region, uh, people are going through drought in their fields and in their yards, in their gardens. And we all have gone through uh, periods of drought in our own lives. And what do we learn about how to survive during a drought? I can see it out the window. And then of course, uh, harvest is such a beautiful time on a farm. And it's such a beautiful time in life when we get to harvest that fully ripened thing, whether it's a corn, uh, whether it's the, the yield of a corn plant or whether it's a business or a relationship, we all have known and celebrated some kind of harvest. And then comes winter and winter can seem dreary. I know you know that <laughs> where you are, winters are pretty dreary here too. It gets so icy that the windows will sometimes be covered in ice. And my neighbor calls it cheap blinds. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it seems like nothing good is happening on a farm in the winter, but uh, the Lord caused it to be a time of rest for a good one fourth of a whole year. And so if a farm needs one fourth of its life, to rest and to rejuvenate and to get ready for planting season than we do too. So really every area of a growing season has something to teach us about ourselves. Well, so many of our listeners are going to actually be able to relate this because there is a huge um, prairie community listener uh, listenership, but it's also a great new perspective for us city folk that have lived in the city our whole life to look at things in a totally, completely different way. Yes. It doesn't matter where we live. We are all farmers. We are all planting seeds into the things that we care about most. For those who think it's too late in life to reset their pace, um, to slow down, what would you say to them? It's not too late and it's not too early. It is time. This is our time to um, decide what we want our life to look like and decide what matters most. And Take a moment before you do that, though, and look back and, and see where you've already made some of those decisions, because I think people do essentially want a slower pace. And I had to do that in my own life, even though that visit to the doctor's office came later in my life here on the farm. Um, my first day of growing slow was the day we set foot on this farm. And I still eventually moved back into hurried practices. But that move ought to be celebrated. And I think that we all have those moments where we can look back and think, I do know how to do this. I have done this. 
and I can do it again. Yeah, and if a former news reporter and lawyer can do it, anybody can because, I mean, those are fast-paced careers and never really any time to take your foot off the gas. Who are you hoping picks up this book then? I hope that anybody will pick up this book that just wants to have the small good things they are growing validated in their life, to know that they are already growing good things and that God is growing them. I think so often that we uh, look at growth as outputs and the things that we're doing and what, what, what we want to see growing in our fields. But Paul wrote to the Corinthians, these words, you are God's field. And that means that God is planting things in us that we are fields and he is nurturing us and watering us and growing us to become the people he wants us to be. So in that regard, I think everybody should read this book. <laughs> and I am particularly interested if, in knowing if anybody would like to do a Bible study for this, uh, for this book. I actually have a six-week companion Bible study that has free videos, and they're very beautiful, very cinematic. We recorded them all here on the farm, and we uh, recorded them over the course of a year. And those are available free for Bible study groups. For those who want to learn about that, they want to learn more about your book or just want to learn more about you, how can they go about doing that? You can go to growingslowbook.com and find everything you need there. And also, I would love to meet all you lovely listeners over on Instagram and Facebook. And I am Jennifer Dukes Lee in both of those places. Thanks so much, Jennifer, for joining us and encouraging us to grow slow, something I'm definitely hoping to do as this pandemic starts to wind down by the looks of things. You can find the Connections podcast at podcastville.ca, and it would mean a lot to us and help us out a lot. If you subscribe to that podcast, you can go to, again, podcastville.ca or anywhere else you get your favorite podcasts from, like Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Just search for us, Connections with Colleen Hood and Mike Tom, and we will talk to you again on Connections.